Hello, everybody, and welcome to Wednesday morning, October the 9th, 2019. We're in year C, proper 22, the 18th Sunday after Pentecost in the Revised Common Lectionary. And today, we're going to cover a passage in the Old Testament. It's in 2 Kings chapter 5, verses 1 through 3, and then 7 through 15. This is a story about Naaman, who's a commander of an army that's against Israel. It's a really interesting story with a lot of things to think about. So I'll read that passage, I'll offer a few points of reflection, and then we'll pray a bit this morning as we meet this day. Welcome to When I Rise. Thanks for being here. Second Kings chapter 5, verses 1 through 3 and 7 through 15. Now Naaman was commander of the army of the king of Aram, and he was a great man in the sight of his master and highly regarded, because through him the Lord had given victory to Aram. He was a valiant soldier, but he had leprosy. Now bands of raiders from Aram had gone out and had taken captive a young girl from Israel, and she served Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, If only my master would see the prophet who was in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. As soon as the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his robes and said, My God, can I kill and bring back to life? Why does this fellow send someone to me to be cured of his leprosy? See how he is trying to pick a quarrel with me? When Elijah the man of God heard that the king of Israel had torn his robes, he sent him this message. Why have you torn your robes? Have the man come to me and he will know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman went with his horses and chariots and stopped at the door of Elisha's house. Elisha sent a messenger to say to him, Go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan, and your flesh will be restored, and you will be cleansed. But Naaman went away angry and said, I thought he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God. Wave his hand over the spot and cure me of my leprosy. Are not the Abana and the Parpha, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Couldn't I wash in them and be cleansed? So he turned and went off in a rage. Naaman's servants went ahead and said to him, My father, if the prophet had told you to do some great thing, would you have not done it? How much more then when he tells you wash and be cleansed? So he went down and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times, as the man of God had told him. And his flesh was restored, and he became clean like that of a young boy. Then Naaman and all of his attendants went back to the man of God. He stood before him and said, Now I know that there is no God in all the world except in Israel, so please accept a gift from your servant. This is the word of God. Let me offer just a couple of words of reflection as we turn to a time of prayer this morning. Uh, This is a great story, and it would have been one that would have been challenging to hear. Uh, Keep in mind that the people of Israel always struggle with what does it mean that they were the unique people of God, and what does that mean for the rest of the nations out there? And so when a commander of a foreign army, one that would at times wreak havoc upon the nation of Israel, wants to be cleansed of his leprosy, Uh, There's a question that hangs in the background early in this story. What will the prophet do? What will God do when an outsider seeks to be healed? And so what we see here is that uh, there's uh, a maidservant uh, in Naaman's household who recommends the prophet and uh, the prophet Elijah, or sorry, Elisha is the one who's actually 
um, given the orders uh, for Naaman to be cured. But notice the hubris of Naaman. Naaman is proud. He's absolutely accomplished. And he feels ridiculous asking somebody else from another country to help him. And he's met with a couple of different uh, barriers uh, in order to follow through. Barrier number one is that the prophet doesn't even want to come speak to him. Uh, he sends servants uh, to talk to him. So that's barrier number one. Would he be offended if the prophet doesn't have any time of the day to give him in order for him to have a conversation with him? And the second barrier is the command. He's told to go down to the Jordan River seven times. And Naaman's got his own embedded sensibilities, doesn't he? He knows other rivers that are perhaps more impressive than the Jordan River. And so he initially turns away. He finds the task ridiculous. Uh, but then he has some servants uh, try to implore him and to reason with him to go wash in the Jordan. And so he does so. And he's supposed to do it seven times, no less than seven times. And so after he is, he bathes and dips seven times, his leprosy goes away. And it comes with this fantastic confession that there's no other God in the world, he says, except for the God of Israel. And this is not where the story ends. The story continues and there's some other ramifications there. But there's a couple things, um, I think, for us to consider as we turn to a time of prayer. First is that this was a, a challenge for Naaman to trust um, some information that didn't seem right to him or seemed ridiculous to him. And I think sometimes we have these different junctures in our faith journey where we are given a word of advice or we are we implored to take a turn that we are not quite expecting or doesn't fit into the scratch paper mat that we have for our lives and our journeys. And so we're at a crossroads. We have to decide, are we going to walk with eyes of faith or we're going to walk by sight? And so we think of that passage uh, where Paul says that we do not walk by sight, but we walk by faith. And so we're encouraged, just like Naaman, to take a step of faith. We're also, um, we, we see here what hubris can do. Hubris can um, prevent you from going deeper in your life with God and experiencing great things. Uh, one of the things that the scholars note is that how um, he's a great man, Naaman, in verse 1, he's referred to as a great man. But as he washes in the river and his skin is changed, he becomes like a little child or like a young person. And so he goes actually back in time. This reminds us of the admonition of Jesus that if we want to excel in the faith, that we have to have faith like children. And so there's this process of unlearning things that even though Naaman was a great man, he had to unlearn all of the lessons from his prominence in order to gain his blessing. But it's interesting in the original language, uh, the flesh, as his flesh goes from leprous to uh, healed again, the original language says a turning back. So the skin is actually just a physical representation of what happens in Naaman's heart. He's proud and he's stiff neck against God. But as he goes through this process of transformation, he turns back and he goes back home in essence and he refuses to be proud anymore. And so maybe a couple things for us to consider as we turn to a time of prayer. This was a test for Naaman, a test to have his mind open. And just like yesterday when we talked about Psalm 66, the major theme there was a testing. I think some of us might be tested today. And we're tested because we're closed-minded on an issue, just like Naaman. And so perhaps what God might be speaking to us today is to refuse to trust in our own wisdom and to, to lean into the wisdom, uh, the alternative wisdom that God gives us. And so are we going to be proud and closed-minded? Are we going to be humble and open-minded? How are we going to deal with this test? But I think also, I think a neat thing from this story 
And so Naaman had all these interventions. He had an intervention from first the maidservant who told him about the prophet. Then he had an intervention from his servants as he, as he was walking away and as he was resisting the prophet's prescription for the miracle. He had some intervention uh, from his servants uh, to turn back and actually go through with the test. And I think uh, there might be someone in our life who is like Naaman, who is resisting wisdom. And we need to ask God that they would resist no longer, but that, that they would play, place, God would place people in their life uh, that, that might get through to them and that God would use people to be a mouthpiece for his wisdom. And, and perhaps we would lift that person up in prayer today. So many things that we could be praying for today. And so let's take this story and keep it in, in mind. Let's turn to a time uh, with God in prayer this morning. God, as we turn to a time of prayer, we are grateful this morning. Grateful because just like Naaman, you have not given up on us. God, even if we have an array of issues, including internal pride or external situations, that you reach out to us, that there's still grace upon grace for us. So God, this morning, as we turn to a time of prayer, we recognize that we are grateful deep within as we think about all that you've done for us and all of who you are. Uh, our response again and again is gratitude. We say thank you, thank you, thank you. A hundred times today we say thank you. And so as our soul rises to meet you this morning, and as we look at life in front of us, um, we pray on a couple of lines this morning. Number one, uh, we choose to have an open mind today. We thank you that you tell us in your word that you are changing and transforming us, that you've, you've begun a work in us and you have uh, have a, a resolve to see it to its completion. And so today we choose not to resist your transformative work in our lives. We choose to have our minds open. So God, if there's an area of pride in our life, if there's an area where we refuse to be lowly and humble, God, we pray that you would illuminate that today, that there would be, as Richard Rohr says, that there would be a humiliation today, one great humiliation that reminds us that we are proud in some area and that we would learn the lesson of humility today. So God, we pray that we would have our ears open and our hearts Uh, responsive to how you might be transforming us and causing us to move away from pride and hubris and towards uh, love and humility and kindness. So God, we pray that you allow our minds to be open today. But God, just like Damon, we know that there are people in our life who are resisting. They're resisting you and they're resisting wisdom. And we see them going through just down a path of destruction, a path of hardship that can be resisted. it can be dealt with and they don't have to continue to go further and further down dark roads. And so God, we pray for people in our life to have intervention today. We thank you for uh, how there's been intervention in our lives. There have been faces and names that come to our mind even now. People who cared for us and with patience and with humility and with encouragement, they, they encouraged us to seek a different path. And so God, for loved ones in our life that we know that need an intervention, God, we pray that you would intervene in their life. You'd send them gracious community that would love them, that would be patient with them, that would speak words of wisdom to them, that would help them uh, to, to sort through the different hardships or maybe the different ways in which their life is not mended and put together. And I pray, God, that there'd be grace upon grace in those conversations. And so, God, we pray for our network of friendships. God, may our friends and may our family members, may they seek wisdom today. May they seek your path today. May there be voices of concern. May there be uh, people with uh, kind and patient hearts that would walk alongside our friends and loved ones. May we be those people today. May we not give hot takes to our friends. May we not get 
boiled over with anger and say things out of anger to our friends who are uh, going through times of, of stiff-necked and just rebellion and pridefulness. But God, may we have kind words, the right words, uh, as your word says, a word in season that will sustain the weary. So give us a chance to speak life into those relationships around us. Uh, may we bear burdens with others in our life. And as we do so, it, that it would fulfill the law of Christ who bore our burdens. And so God, today we pray that you give us guts, that you would give us a tenacity for friendship, that you would give us a love, a depth, a depth, a profound depth of love uh, for people in our lives. May we not see them as tedious. May we not have passive aggressive sighs. May we not shake our heads in complete bewilderment of the relationships in our lives. But may we see our relationships as gifts, even the ones that are strained, even the ones that are tough today. God, I pray that you give us an allowance of grace to be the hands and feet of Christ to those relationships. So God, we pray that we'd face this day with gratitude that we face this day with grace that you give us. I ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.